0: We have had structural issues in our society that have driven, unfortunately, the wrong pattern of behaviors in serving those who need it.
1: You're listening to Decoding Healthcare Innovation with Carrie Nixon and Rebecca Gwilt, a podcast for novel and disruptive business leaders seeking to transform how we receive and experience healthcare. So today I'm here with Vic Bakru uh, on decoding healthcare innovation. Uh, Vic is the founding chief medical officer and head of Mosaic, which we're gonna talk about a little bit. Um, uh, at a company called Circulo, which is a really uh, exciting new company. I'm going to ask him about it in a little bit. Uh, he's the former COO and CFO of another health tech company called Casejo Sano. Uh, and both companies uh, are focused on the needs of underserved populations in alignment with, I know, what's so important to you, Vic, and that you write on a lot, which is health equity. So welcome, welcome. I'm glad to have you here.
0: Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, and I'm so excited that we get to have what will hopefully be a great chat.
1: That's right. That's right. It'll be a a continuation of our last one. Um, Delightful, as always. So I want to start with a little bit of background. So I'd love for you to tell me about your journey um, to, to where you sort of are today, and I'd love to hear you say a little bit about what is really exciting about what you're doing right now.
0: You know, I get asked this question a lot, and I'm going to change it up a little bit today. And I'm going to say that it's really been a journey of lots of stumbles and falls. I could not have predicted 20 years ago that I'd have the great fortune, a, of sitting across from you virtually through camera and through other medium. Um, but you know, I just I never could have predicted that we'd be where we are in digital health and in healthcare and the incredibly rapid evolution that we're seeing around us. My background is as a clinician. It's how I identify first and foremost in all settings, usually, um, including family at the dinner table, looking out for people choking all the way to group forums where, you know, you look among the crowd to see who's falling asleep because maybe last night was a bit rough or what have you. But my clinical identity is pretty strong. Um, And, you know, I've done a number of various uh, business uh, ventures. And mostly in the digital health realm um, over the last uh, decade and a half or so, and uh, dabbled in the nonprofit realm as well. I'm really passionate about pediatric global health and have mm-hmm. done some work there. Um, so in a nutshell, that's who I am, that's what I'm about. And as you've already noted, I now work at a company called Circulo Health, which we say is building the future of Medicaid. Medicaid has been ignored for too long. It hasn't received the level of attention and investment that it should have um, given that the needs in this particular area of our society are most profound. Um, We have a lot of unmet need in um, among patients or people covered by Medicaid and it's time that we finally address that need and so at Circulo we're starting to do that.
1: Absolutely, so this is what I want to dig into. So we talked about this before um, and you've sort of positioned Circulo as the Medicaid plan of the future. What is the Medicaid plan of the future?
0: It's anything but a plan. The truth is that what really needs to happen in the ecosystem is vertical integration between those who are taking risk and those who are providing health or driving health. And in our case, we try not to say that we are going to deliver care. We try to say that we're gonna drive health outcomes And we're gonna do it in a very multidisciplinary way. So when we think about the foundation of our efforts, it's technology married with a vertically integrated approach to meeting the needs of our members. Um, we're still figuring out what that means for ourselves. We're you know, less than a year into this venture. We started with about five folks and we have just under 250 on the team today. So it's been Incredible. an absolutely insane year. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Really, really crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, one of my questions is why doesn't this exist already? Why, why has Medicaid been sort of uh, underserved by the kinds of innovations we're seeing on the commercial side?
0: In large part, it's because the reimbursement models and the incentives that exist in our ecosystem don't really drive um, individuals and institutions to cater their offering to those most in need. In fact, it actually, well, also that depends on how you define most in need. So those most in need of cancer care might receive the level of support that they need if they have the right type of insurance. And that's really the challenge, that Medicaid as a particular, um, some call it a line of business, we tend to call it more um, of you know a segment of our society, um, groups of individuals who are covered by this type of insurance, whatever the right nomenclature is, the idea is the same, which is that over time we've not provided the range of services, including addressing social determinants, including addressing cultural determinants, including addressing behavioral care needs or behavioral health needs, and similarly physical health needs. We just we haven't done it as an ecosystem, and a large part of the reason is because the reimbursement for those services hasn't been a part of the equation in any substantial way. In fact, it's been the opposite. Providers only have a few appointments per day on their schedules um, for people covered by Medicaid, and the rest of the schedule is filled with people who might have other types of insurance, Medicare, commercial, exchange, or what have you.
1: And is that changing as many states move toward Medicaid managed care?
0: It is. I think it's changing favorably from the standpoint of the adoption of value-based care will enable new ways of thinking about how to improve health outcomes and how to solve for some of the needs that exist among the people we're really trying to serve.
1: So so, um, so I find this really interesting because I always wonder whether there's uh, you know, a structural issue that sort of will, uh, that, that will get in the way of, um, of these sort of equity missions being accomplished. Um, and I'm really excited to watch uh, Circulo as you all sort of move through that journey. Um, one thing I know that is important to you that, that um, is a key part of this is health equity. So certainly the Medicaid population is a very particular population, but even within that population, there are differences in both outcomes and how individuals are, are treated uh, based on the particular group that they are a member of. Um, recently, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts published uh, published a uh, report uh, that included lessons that they had learned after implementing sort of equity uh, metrics and then tracking them uh, that revealed that even that plan, which obviously had a, a deep commitment to health equity and continues to do so, saw some pretty alarming problems uh, in how the, um, their member physicians treated particular groups of people. And certainly we've seen this before in, in, in what the outcomes were. So I would love to hear sort of your initial thinking about how you get at that
0: problem. The first step is what you've just done, which is spreading awareness about the fact that we have had structural issues in our society that have driven, unfortunately, the wrong pattern of behaviors in serving those who need it. Um, and so we're, we're, we're starting to have a more open national conversation about it. Platforms like Consejosano Sano and others that are out there that are doing really important work to solve for those gaps in understanding. Another one that comes to mind is Violet Health. I'm, I'm seeing so much innovation now around how do you get providers oriented around some of the gaps in understanding between themselves and the patients or people they're trying to serve. Similarly, how do you bring... Um, how do you meet people where they're at? How do you bring some of that engagement, um, right, literally, in a convenient way? Sometimes it's as easy as a text message in a native language. Um, in other cases, it might be more of a preference-driven interaction. But there is a lot of attention being um, paid now to how to solve some of these er- uh, some of these um, issues that have existed for quite some time, um, decades even. Um, and and it's 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 unfortunate that it has happened, but it's really fortunate that. We're finally starting to see um, some innovation, some major investment around it, some platforms that are going to drive technology-focused, um, you know, solutions, which 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 is exciting. We're in a good time. We're moving in the right direction for sure. Lots of work to be done, but we are moving in a positive direction.
1: Yeah. So I heard you say my you know favorite word, digital health technology. So um, uh, it is the case that so many commercial payers, in particular, have have really, in the last 10 years, embraced the use of not just telemedicine, but other sort of uh, AI, ML-driven data analytics tools to segment patient populations and really dig into where they can intervene at the right time. Um, we're seeing a, a tremendous explosion in, in remote patient monitoring and sort of the blurring of the lines between the hospital and the home and all that. And you're a tech guy, like you've spent a, a good amount of time in tech, and I know when we we first were talking about Circulo. You said, you know, this population deserves all those innovations, just like everybody else does. You know, what are what are your thoughts about bringing tech solutions into Circulo as a as a sort of foundational part of who you guys are?
0: You know, I come to work on a daily basis, and by come to work, I mean walk from my bed to my desk. But <laughs> by, by and large, I come to work. Every I need day. to find the like foot bump uh, sound. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly like whatever happened to the clap on clap off you know like i can find
1: it oh yeah yeah, yeah.
0: anyway so uh i digress but um you know a lot of uh every day every day i was trying to say every day i come to work and i'm so incredibly inspired by the roughly 60 percent of our product of our team at circulo is product and engineering these are some of the foremost minds in Not just healthcare, but in the world as it relates to building product and engineering, uh, product and technology that makes sense for the end users. You know, for too long in healthcare, we have had. Two people on either side of a fax machine arguing over payments. Right, the provider's office has a tremendous amount of hassle, and the insurers have a tremendous amount of administrative burden. And in some ways, you could argue one creates it for the other, whether it's errors in filling right. forms or whether it's policies and procedures. Well, it's where, it's, the,
1: it's the future now. We've got eFax.
0: <laughs> you know, the number of times I've been made fun of for actually liking my fax facility. We won't get into it here. It's embarrassing even. I actually, you know, have have interesting views on 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 the role that fax plays. I mean, thirty billion transactions in healthcare, fifteen billion of them are still done by fax machine, right? Amazing. So we've got a long way to go in, in in automation and in removing some of the use cases. So anyway, um, you know, at Circulo, I think one of the reasons why technology is being brought to bear is because the pain points have gotten to the point where it's just not sustainable anymore to do business the way we've always done it it's causing physician and clinician burnout it's causing patient abrasion and frustration beyond belief um, where now even if you look at some of the news from this past week care is being deferred you know and care is not being sought because of some of the you know issues around how payments are handled and how the uncertainty around what you might have to pay or perhaps even just the accessibility is not there so whole host of reasons why technology, automation, the work that Circulo and the team here, the world-class team here is doing is really, really important in automating as much as possible. And you know, our founder and CEO, Sean Lane, has a long track record from the NSA to Olive AI, to now Circulo um, in, in getting these solutions to market. So I couldn't be more encouraged that, you know, in Medicaid, much of the gap will be addressed by some of the platform that we're building.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're building and buying. Um, I would love to hear sort of what what tools you're thinking are really gonna move the needle. There's, there's so much out there between you know the AI solutions and platforms and, and uh, any number of things. We walked the floor together at HLTH, so we know it's there. Uh, like what is most exciting to you at this point? And, and I guess my a related question is, how do you have to think about this differently when you're talking about the Medicaid population versus the non-Medicaid population?
0: Yeah, a few things come to mind right away. First, you know, there's so much innovation that's needed in certain segments of Medicaid. So home and community-based services, long-term services and support. These are areas that have really been under-invested in when it comes to how is technology used to improve... The data collection, the analysis of what's happening, yeah. perhaps in the home environment, perhaps in a group home environment. But there's a lot of opportunity in that space um, for understanding what the daily workflows are like um, of caregivers, of family members, and how to optimize, you know, some of the care delivery pathway, pulling in the right resources, avoiding more terminal or end states to certain disease conditions um, that have, um, you know, just really radically poor health consequences. So how do we intervene much earlier in that cascade? um, And how do we do it so that the clinician and the clinic may not, you know, have awareness? Um, We've really got to drive a more comprehensive, um, you know, sort of understanding of what is happening in the health of that particular member or patient. And then secondly, you know, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I I served, um, I served four years on the Virginia Medicaid board. And right. um, I had been a healthcare lawyer before that, and one of my big lessons was how incredibly complicated Medicaid is, mm-hmm. versus how complicated Medicare is, even. Yeah. Uh, and the and the specificity with which they created structures around each individual Medicaid population, and that each state had at all of these waivers and you know that you bring up home and community based supports and long term services and supports and i think like oh those are those things that i had no idea about when i when i started looking at medicaid and i wonder whether a fundamental inability to understand how medicaid is paid for administered who the populations are play has played a role in the lack of innovation around around those populations
0: yeah, some of it is awareness, some of it is a commitment of resources, still some of it is the responsibility of the frontline individuals who are participating in pathways that they have historically in some ways felt, you know, powerless mm-hmm. over controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just a whole host of reasons why, you know, we have to do better, um and, and will do better because we're starting to really chip away at some of the frameworks that are, have just proven to be not the right frameworks, even including some of the regulatory, um, you know, protections that are in place. They really need to be rethought around putting, you know, the patient or the person at the center of, of the equation. We've really optimized around other entities in the ecosystem, um, and I'm I'm seeing so much uh, person-centered um, uh, innovation that that it is encouraging.
1: Yeah, I guess the other thing on my mind is how many. Uh, Clinicians I talk to on a regular basis, who are just totally uninterested in serving this population. Uh, I think that it's not because they're terrible people, but it is a complicated program to navigate. And as you said, the reimbursement rates are bottom of the barrel, which seems to me is inverted um, in. You know, if we were to if we were to to tear it all down and start from scratch. Right. We pay teachers more and we reimburse better for behavioral health and Medicaid. Right. And uh, and and so anyway, so I I, I'm wondering, you know, we can create great benefits uh, and negotiate with states to convince them of the merit of the Medicaid plan of the future. How do we get doctors on
0: board? You know, a lot of it has to do with the efficiency of how we transact our work together. And so if we think about the ecosystem as a whole, it's not just that we need more resources. It's that we need to really be thinking along the lines of how do we efficiently transact our work together. For me that means, and for Circulo that means, we don't need prior authorizations as a component of this ridiculous puzzle in being able to serve the needs of a member. If a clinician on the front lines identifies a need, they should be able to address that need in the way that is the standard of care and we have today some of the most advanced technologies to allow us to do the data analytics that catch the fraud waste and abuse mm-hmm. we don't need to put everyone through a ridiculous forms process that ends up delaying care and ends up frustrating all parties involved the other thing we don't need to do is have that seems someone... like a big
1: that seems like a big deal no in the in medicaid world that seems like a
0: a pretty big difference It's a heavy lift to pull off, but I'll tell you, if we can get it right, we can remove 16 cents on the dollar of administrative overhead. Wow. That's what it costs the system to do. Prior auths, claims adjudication, utilization management, and some of these other areas that just absorb money out of the system. And so what we're thinking about at Circulo and, and, and with our sister company, Olive, is how do you really take cost out of the system, make it more efficient, Reduce the burnout and frustration of the clinicians providing world-class care, and incentivize patients to more easily engage with the system because now it's not as much of a hassle. There's not a delay that you'll have a you know sort of waiting period for some of the care that you rightly deserve. I believe healthcare is a human right, and so you know we ought to act like an ecosystem that looks after the needs of the people who um, who, who present to us. So, um, Priroth is one part of it. You know. It's also silly that a provider would have to do all of the heavy work to engage a patient, schedule an appointment, handle the insurance process on the front end, eligibility, and so forth, actually see the patient mm-hmm. in the clinic or the hospital, fill out a clinical note, and then fill out a form to get paid, a claims form. That's right. right? That claims form part of the equation and also some of the front end stuff, by the way, has to be more automated going forward. Um, So we are building a sort of end to end framework around which you can get paid seamlessly by filling out your clinical note and having the medical record number, the date of birth, the name port over into the claims form. We don't have to have data entry issues. We don't have to have a human doing some of this work. They can be reallocated to do the patient-facing, person-facing, interactive component that is so vitally important in, in, in offices, right? I mean, we need at some point that compassion to come through. And if I'm distracted, data entry into a form, I'm not able to pay the right level of respect and attention to the patients in front of me. Um, as a as a, as a, as a team, right? I mean, it's not just yeah. a person who's distracted by these efforts. Yeah, I mean,
1: you you've seen the bowels of all of this. I think that the the normal person uh, assumes that it couldn't possibly be as inefficient as it actually is. Um, but I assure you, I assure you, dear listener, it absolutely it absolutely can be. Um, so so I'm I'm interested in how you know you have been successful. So, if you want to move the needle on outcomes, you want to move the needle on equity, which is a, a, a hag, a big hairy audacious goal. <laughs> you know, you know, even for twenty twenty two, right? We're at the close of the year. Um, we're all doing, you know, we're all deep in planning stages. How will you know you will have been successful?
0: That's a loaded question, you know, and the truth is you may not know in the early stages, especially of what you're building, how successful you've been. But, you know, the way um, some of the metrics are structured for our team is around how many manual processes did we displace How efficient were we in solving some of the burden, some of the administrative burden that our partners across the ecosystem feel and that our patients experience? So some of that is through satisfaction scores. Some of that is through feedback from the various stakeholders. So it's a combination of quantitative and qualitative, but a lot of this can actually be quantified very easily, right? It's really about the number of human hours that have been displaced. Mm -hmm. And it's really about the number of humans served that we can, you know, show that with the same level of resources, we've been able to drive XYZ health outcomes, XYZ experiences. You know, it's, it's a staged approach. It's not going to all happen at once, naturally.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm also interested in you in particular. You have done some incredible things in your career. You're still such a young guy. You have... <laughs>
0: Oh, tell that to my sister. She <laughs> me old every chance that she gets. It's
1: her job to give you shit about that. No, what, yeah. like what, what will what will you call success? I'm I'm very big into like setting intentions right now. You know yeah. what, what will make you feel like you've done you've fulfilled your your mission?
0: Oh, that's a tough one for sure. And you know I'm a pretty ambitious person, and I have big goals for you know what I uh, want to see happen. Um, but a lot of it has to do with happiness, and a lot of that is driven by what kind of experience can you offer to the people mm-hmm. you are trying to serve. So, uh, you know, some of that comes through matching and, and providing the right culturally relevant care settings. Still other, you know, sort of definite, you know, um, definition points come from feeling like we added capacity to the system. You know, right now, when a patient calls an office or when a person calls an office, They're not given the type of reception that you would want for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your spouse, your partner. They're given, unfortunately, a cold shoulder in many cases um, just because of the way the system functions. And so success for me is how do I drive a better experience? Um, And I haven't yet myself figured out how to measure that on a daily basis. I can tell you on a monthly quarterly semi-annual basis the metrics are there and the proof points are there for you know how many clinics did we open how many mobile health services did we bring to market how many members served did we achieve how many providers shared feedback around the tools that we developed and that they were able to adopt and implement how many clients and therefore how many revenue you know how much revenue did we generate there are a lot of proof points for yeah. this but you know personal success for me is really smiles on faces, happiness, you know, the ability to return from worrying about a health need to being with family and enjoying a holiday, which is also a hard thing to do in a pandemic when there's such an overhang around, you know, sort of, is it safe to go out this day, today, this week, or not, sure. right? and so on. Sure,
1: yeah, yeah, it's powerful. I mean, the work that, that you and, and other folks that are sort of in uh, in the healthcare innovation field is really outsized in terms of impact because our health is is so central to to our happiness um, and to our you know aliveness. <laughs>
0: Quite literally. Right? Yeah, exactly. Quite literally.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So I, uh, I really, really appreciate your time today. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about a lot of the things that you said for a while. Um, I hope that, uh, I, you know, I wish you the best success personally and in Circulo. I will be watching you carefully and, um, Do you have anything else to say to our listeners?
0: No, I I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, the privilege of being here with you and and to your listeners for listening, of course. Um, Happy New Year as we embark, you know. Ah, yes. Um, but, But thank you so much, Rebecca. I really appreciate it.